Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. Hi, right, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, episode number 262 with Deacon Manu. How are you, Deacon? Very good, thank you. Very good. Now, mate, very excited to have you on here. Uh, you did a fantastic webinar um, about, oh, would have been nearly a month ago now. Um, and, mate, uh, you've got an amazing career. Like, you've had an amazing career and you've continued on now in the education space. But let me just go through this to listeners, okay? So, captain of Fiji national team, 22 tests, including captain of a Rugby World Cup. Amazing. New Zealand juniors, all black. Uh, NZ Mary All Black 28 test, 64 super, mu- super rugby matches, 162 European rugby matches, and 50 international tests. Mate, that is bloody amazing. Yeah, um, I haven't really uh, processed that, but just sort of just saying that, um, yeah, I've been very fortunate um, to have a like longevity in the career, really. Um, and even just to make a World Cup, I know some. Some pretty fantastic and amazing players haven't been able to make a World Cup. Um, so, yeah, real, real privilege to have uh, been able to do that um, over the last you know, number of years. Um, so, yeah, really, really fortunate the way my, the cards fell on the table. Um, and just, yeah, from there, it was, it was a, a pretty quick journey into that um, the, the professional uh, side of things. Now, mate, I, yeah, well, I, I want to unpack this, but uh, let's, let's talk about your childhood. So, were you... Growing up, were you just like, did you have, were you destined? Like, were you always a prodigy? Were you like, from such a young age, did, were you just, everybody was talking about you, mate, that uh, you you were going to make it or was it not like that? What was your childhood like? Um, yeah, I think everyone was talking about me, but um, was <laughs> I, I was the, I was the fat kid. Um, so I was, uh, I was pretty big for my, um, for my age um, and pretty much I was the, the tallest in my primary school um, when I was six years old, and that was including the teachers. Um, so wow. I was, uh, yeah, I was remarkably big. Um, and even I remember um, thinking about some memories. Um, some of my uh, classmates, their, their brothers and older sisters, thought that I was a teacher. Um, I was that big. <laughs> Um, so yeah, no, in terms of the, the sporting side of things, I didn't really, um, get picked out or selected for, for anything at uh, the school boy level. Um, I just played it to, to enjoy rugby, um, enjoy team sports. And I think, you know, it's been a really blessing for me to be able to do that. Um, and really engage and learn so many, uh, soft skills in a, in a sporting context, um, where, you know, sometimes it's, it's quite hard to, to learn them in real life, um, in sports, you know, a great way, especially a team sport to get the, uh, the synergy and get the teamwork together. Um, so from there, I actually played golf. Um, that was sort of my my original um, game I used to play. Um, but then I was sort of the wrong body shape around about, uh, well, as a, at an early age. So um, And then I transitioned into rugby when I was like 16. So kind of a late start into it, um, which was kind of kind of nice in lots of ways. I was just just playing um, with my friends at, uh, at school. And then um, from there, just went up to university and just progressed from there. Love that. I, I think that's... It's such a nice, when you hear stories like that, uh, Deegan, that, you know, it's been a natural progression. You did it for the love of it. It was fun. Do you know what I mean? Like there wasn't any external pressures. I think that's such a beautiful way of looking at it. But I'm interested, mate. So how tall were you at primary school? Like what, what, what <laughs> tell us how tall were you? Um, yeah, so I was uh, basically um, at primary school, I was, uh, I'm not sure exactly how, how tall I was, but I remember um, when I went to uh, high school, which was um, 11 years old, I was 100 and, uh, 
I think it was 150, 58 centimeters um, tall. And I was like uh, about that in, in weight as well in kilograms. Um, so yeah, I was as tall as I was wide. And well, I guess when I was like 13, um, 13, 14, I, I was six foot um, and weighed wow. like 120 kgs. Um, so I was a big, big boy. Um, and then I guess, you know, similar to a, a lot of um, teenage boys, they'll sort of thin out once they um, get a little bit older. Um, so yeah, I was, I was a big unit. Um, I remember the teachers trying to encourage me to play rugby, uh, but my dad played golf and um, that just seemed like a, the, the natural regression for me to, to um, go out and sort of follow his footsteps. So did your parents have to work three, four, five, six jobs to feed you? Like I could imagine you would have been an eating machine. Yeah, I, I used to, um, they used to just give me basically uh, two big loaves of bread each day with my meals. Um, and I had some good friends that used to, I used to eat their lunch as well. Um, so they were, they were quite, I had really good friends. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that sort of kept my, uh, my stocks up and my weight up from there. I was bulking um, from an early age. I love that. So before we talk about rugby golf, like uh, obviously you're playing quite a bit of it um, at that, at that size. Um, I'm sure you could hit a long ball from an early age. Yeah, no, I couldn't. That was probably one of, one of my strengths is to be able to, to hit that ball um, a, a good distance. Um, and just remember going after school, um, just playing um, one of the uh, golf courses, Fitzroy Golf Course in New Plymouth. I'm mean, playing with uh, playing with my dad after school and just playing like a nine holes um, before the uh, the sun sort of set. Um, and I was fortunate enough to caddy for a, a US Open champion. That's my, my claim to fame in golf. Uh, Michael Campbell, um, a New Zealander that won the, the US Open. He actually came to um, my hometown and he needed a caddy. He was still an amateur then. Um, he hadn't uh, quite made it to um, the big leagues. Um, but yeah, caddy for him for two rounds. He ended up winning that tournament. Um, so yeah, I've... Uh, uh, carried for a US Open champion, which I guess is quite rare, um, even though I didn't have any contributing factors to his success. <laughs> hey, that's not on uh, when we look at your, your honors and your international career, that uh, that should probably be added. That's a that's a pretty mean feat, <laughs> yeah. I guess so, yeah. Just something that I guess was just a day, um, almost like a flash in the pan, but yeah, something I was uh, I do treasure, very fortunate to have uh, been in that position then. I'm sure you were, mate. That's it's an amazing. I'm sure the ball striking would have been incredible. So, obviously, as a teenager, golf. You know, it's it's um, even if you're playing for your old man, it's a, it's a lonely, it's a lonely, hard individual sport. Um, what was it like? You know, when you finally transitioned as a 16 year old into rugby, because you go from an individual sport where it's all on you, whereas then you're part of a clan, a flock. It's you know, you've got that team environment, which is amazing. Yeah, um, it was an interesting progression. Um, I don't think my dad was too happy because I would play <laughs> um, tournaments in the morning um, at like seven in the morning um, and try and rush through the, the 18 holes and match play um, just so I could go to rugby training for the school in the afternoon. Um, and I remember my coach, um, uh, Mr. Doty, would uh, come and uh, pick me up from the golf course um, and take me to the, to the game after, uh, to the game. Um, to play. So it was uh, just a quick turnaround um, from playing. I remember one game I was trying to rush to, to get it through and we managed to, to win it. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those things when you're, when you're that age, you just uh, go for everything. You know, I was very, uh, very fortunate to play golf because what it taught me is a lot of discipline. Um, it taught me, um, you know, things like uh, mental imagery 
um, that I use throughout my career, something that um, is really powerful and I advocate so strongly. And a lot of that's been talked about now. Um, I know um, a lot of players uh, will use that. Um, and it was something that sort of strengthened me that the pre-shot routine, for example, very similar to my thoughts and the process that I would to break down a scrum and the setup for that. So, yeah, it taught me a lot um, in terms of that. But, you know, I'm, I'm a, I feel like I'm more of a, a team sport person. Um, rather than an individual but um yeah it still taught me that that uh, discipline associated with uh, with sport yeah no, that's uh, i love hearing that um what what was uh at the end at the best of your golfing ability what were you playing off uh it wasn't great it was just on single figures i didn't go oh. to, uh, down too low um, that's still not bad mate yeah, well, it was a high, high single figures, but um, yeah, I couldn't get down any further. Um, and then, yeah, as, as I mentioned, that the body shape changes. Um, a couple of friends of mine um, at school were like, you've got to play rugby. And I was like, <laughs> oh, not sure. Um, and then it was just basically um, to, to be, be at my school, um, you had to play like a, a team sport um, and rugby wasn't the natural one. I was I'm terrible at football, um, at soccer. So um, that definitely was out. Um, and we only had uh, soccer and um, rugby at school. Um, so, yeah, I chose that path. So, obviously, going from a golfer to a prop, that's probably one of the most extreme. Uh, if you said to somebody that never looked at you, they said he's gone from playing golf to a front of the front of the scrum as a prop. Like that's, did, <laughs> did, do you sit back and think how funny that is? Um, yeah, I kind of do. Uh, when, you, when you sort of say it like that, um, for me, it was just like a, a normal experience. Um, <laughs> yeah, just thinking about about that there, um, you wouldn't get too many um, people like that that would uh, change a whole sport uh, from a golfer to a front row forward. Not a not a chance. Yeah. So obviously, started playing at sixteen, um, and how long was it before you know people were taking notice of you? Like, um, obviously, you made the the junior All Blacks and and places like this. But how how long was that? Was it a quick transition? Did you just find your feet? Um, well, talk us through that. Yeah, um, I so I uh, did my, my my last year at college um, at Francis Douglas, um, great school with you know a lot of uh, rugby prowess there. Um, had a lot of the the Bowden Barretts, um, the Barretts brothers, um, and even Conrad Smith, and, and, and a number of listed of All Blacks um, after. So you know there was a, a good group there, and up for a small uh, group of five hundred. Um, boys, all boys school from 11 to, to 17. Um, then I went to university, um, again, just played played with my friends, um, which was basically the, the closest rugby club um, to where we had our um, halls of residence, uh, just so we could roll out of uh, our rooms and, and straight into training and, and, and go back. Uh, and there was my second year, um, just started uh, getting um, noticed a little bit. So second year at university, um, flew pretty much under the radar for a lot of it. Um, and then uh, made the uh, Waikato under-19s. Um, and then from the next year on, it sort of just escalated pretty quickly. Um, so I uh, had a couple uh, coaches really believe in me, um, and I just wanted to repay their, their faith um, in my ability. And uh, obviously now we'll, we'll talk about, as you go on now, the mentoring and things you're doing. And obviously I, I love that. And I think rugby is one of... You, you hear about the All Blacks and the traditions in rugby. Um, and I, I was fortunate enough to, I never played rugby or anything, but just even coached at a private school in London. And the tradition and respect in the game, and like you just said, you had people believe in you and now you're paying that. Um, is that something that uh, you just love about the sport? Like it, it's so genuine. Like it's so, it's not all about you. It's about uplifting other people about making everybody else rise with you it's such a it's such a unique thing for team sport 
Yeah, it is. Um, and and the, the great thing is that every every body shape is catered for in, in rugby. Um, and like it is, it's a, it's a really team sport. It's it's something that doesn't quite have that individual um, superstars. You, you do have them. Um, you, you think about the people like the, the Jonah Lomus, the, the Sonny Bill Williams, um, and the Richie McCaws and Dan Carters. But ultimately, if it wasn't that team around them, um, they wouldn't be as successful as, as they were. So, yeah, it's a really great team sport to, to build that morale. And, you know, when, when times are tough, you're picking each other back up. And when uh, you know things are going well, you're celebrating it and keeping, a, keeping um, your feet firmly planted on the ground. Um, and that's a great thing. You're, with, you're playing with your, your best mates um, all around the world. Um, you're coming up against some pretty formidable opposition. Um, and, you know, it's something that you're... Uh, uh, all the all the players you would would mention, you know, it's, it's something to be very, uh, it's a very privileged, it's a privilege to be able to do that um, for such a long time. Yeah, uh, mate, and, and as we talked about at the start, such a long career, which is amazing. When was do you remember your first Test match when you first got picked for Fiji? What was uh, what was that like? Um, yeah, it was up in uh, up in Scotland. Um, it was sort of a, a late call. I, I just went up there. Um, after a number of years of not playing for Fiji um, and being eligible for Wales and and missing out on the All Blacks, so it was a it was, it was a great uh, great memory to have your first cap. Um, and I just remember um, going into the game and just the buzz and the excitement um, in a uh, interna- international. Um, and it is special. International uh, games are special. I um, even played with the Māori All Blacks. You know, all of those games against uh, England, Argentina. Um, you know, were all all special games. So I sort of had an understanding of what it would be like. Um, but to be able to finally do it um, and represent my mum, it was a it was a special moment. Hey, that's and like that's that's the pinnacle, isn't it? Like as we've gone through everything there, you've played at a very high level. But a Test match, like that's the that's what you strive for, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is, um, and it tests everything about you as, as a as a person as a team um it tests your your preparation it tests everything that you've gone up to into there um you know the margins are very very tight as well um you know games going back and forth and and won and lost in the last uh, few minutes so it's um it's something that you know builds your character uh and to be able to turn that around if you had a win or a loss and review it uh, put it away and then go for the next one and set a set a new course a new plan um, is something that's certainly helped me um, in um, my life after after rugby in, in both business and um, in the education sector. Yeah. So first game down, how would you rate it out of ten? What what would you give yourself? Um, I, I never really rate myself highly. Um, so I probably just give myself a pass. Um, yeah, I always I'm one of those people that are always looking for improvement. So I'm getting uh, positive feedback. It's not not always great for me because I always wanted to just keep trying to improve and, and just trying to get better. Well, that's probably why you had such a, a long career because you're always striving that that little bit extra. So from starting out playing first test match, um, how long until they just saw you as a leader? Um, and then I suppose, what was that like when you, you were named captain? Like that, that, that's a, a huge honour. Yeah, it um, it was. I, I remember um, they they called me up um, to, to meet the management team um, and then they sort of sat me down and said, look, you know, we'd like you to... To lead Fiji, and obviously it was a, a couple of years up into the World Cup, um, so that trend, uh, progression was obviously going to be there. Um, and I was blown away; I was very honoured. Um, I had leadership positions um, both at club um, before and throughout, um, and just to be able to use those skills that, that I had gained, um, you know, I had some good advice that, you know, just uh, get that first speech out of the way, um, sort of get that all out, and then just concentrate on what you what you do well. Um, and that was a big factor for me. 
um, not worrying too much about um, things on the field. They, they usually uh, took care of themselves, but making sure that plan was in there, um, getting sure those leaders um, around you were, um, were functioning, were operating, had everything they needed to be able to um, help input that leadership because people look at leaders as it's one person, um, but certainly in rugby, it's a, it's a whole organization. It's the coaches, it's the backroom staff, it's, it's everybody um, associated with the team. Well, when you really think about it like that, that if there's only one leader, the team, you know, it, it, it shouldn't be that way. Do you mean one leader? It, it, then I think that's why rugby set up and their tradition and culture with it works so well because it, it uplifts everyone, you know, and everybody's a leader. It's not just one person, you know, going about it themselves. So as you said, you had two years before the World Cup. So obviously, you know, you put in a lot of preparation and that's sort of from the time you become captain, I'm guessing your big goal was that World Cup. Yeah, um, and it wasn't a, an easy transition from from there. Um, I had uh, previously broken my arm um, and then uh, about... I think a year before the world, I uh, snapped my arm in two. Um, so, oh. and yeah, it was uh, just one of those <laughs> strange things. Just making a tackle, um, and I remember um, the uh, a couple of my friends that were in the crowd. It was um, at home at the Scarlets in Clunethly, and they could hear the crack um, oh. right at the back of the uh, at the stand. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, it was, and it was a long healing process in terms of my arm recovery. Um, I was trying everything um, to do it. Um, Obviously, you, you need the, the right uh, minerals, vitamins, and, and nutrition to, to get it right. Um, but there's not much sun in Wales um, around winter time, so I couldn't get enough um, vitamins uh, into me to be able to for it to grow as, as strong as it would. So I actually played with the uh, at the World Cup with the um, with it still broken. Wow. Um, I knew there was opportunities only only came around um, you know a limited time. So. I uh, and it meant more to me to, to represent Fiji um, and to, to represent the country than it is for my own sort of self, selfish sort of uh, ambitions of if I break my arm or not. So, yeah, I had to turn it around pretty quickly. Um, I was a little bit nervous going into a couple of games, but once you're on the pitch, once you sing the national anthem, you forget all about it um, and you just go for it. Oh, mate, that's uh, that, that's intense. Like, so. Did you do any long-term damage with that or was it strapped up that much that it, it couldn't move anyway? Um, yeah, it was, it's got a plate, it's still got a plate and screws all through it. Um, but my, it's sort of been in my career, I think maybe a year, a couple of years later, um, I, the last two professional games, I actually broke it. So I broke it um, sort of towards the beginning of the season, got back to some time um, for sort of a, uh, the business end of it, then break it the first game back. Um, you know, I thought it was time to, to call uh, call it on my <laughs> career. Um, then, so um, yeah, that was sort of my my journey from uh, from my injuries. I was fortunate enough not to have any other major injuries. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of a I guess um, I just finished when my body was still uh, um, in a relatively good standard. Because that, that was one of the things I really wanted to know as a prop, like. You are the force that goes into scrum is like insane, like it's crazy, and, and you're at the front of it, so you're copying it from basically both ends. Um, so that you, it's still all intact, like you're living a life sort of without. Obviously, your arm may not ever be as good as it was, but besides that, everything else is pretty good. Um, yeah, no, my my arm's my arm's perfect. Um, really, it doesn't give me any uh, any um. Uh, worry or anything um and my but yeah my body's pretty good obviously there's a lot of force that goes into into a scrum um but i i just try and um you know just 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 keep moving um really um nothing nothing intense or anything like that but just 
just keep moving. Um, and, you know, I found that's sort of been something that uh, that's been great um, to be able to just just keep it uh, keep it fluid. Because um, I know there's a lot of uh, people with the hobbling around with uh, knees gone, shoulders um, and backs and necks. Uh, I've been very, uh, again, very fortunate over my career um, such a long time. But, I, you know, in terms of the injuries, the broken arm was was basically the only one that uh, had kept me out um, of playing. Wow. And it's, it's, as you said, mate, you, you are fortunate, but I suppose you put the work in and you've got your body in that position that uh, now you can live a quality life. Obviously, you're not the size you used to be, Decker, but uh, a prop. What, what was your diet like? Let, let's talk this. You must have been, like you were saying <coughs> that uh, you ate a lot in primary school. I can't imagine what you're eating to, you know, keep the size that you needed to require to play that position. Yeah, I, I used to eat a fair bit of food. Um, chicken uh, breast was was, uh, was my thing um, with it, with the skin removed. So I didn't have chicken uh, skin on uh, the chicken breast for like over a decade, um, just because I just needed to make sure I was watching the calories. But enough, you, you look at your your um, protein intake that you need to have plus your carbohydrates. Um, and I ate every two hours um, just because uh, there's absorption of protein couldn't get into your body. It's, you couldn't just eat all the protein in one meal. He had to space it out. So um, I was pretty diligent with that, especially towards um, the, the end of my career. I felt like my, my body just went into overload and would just burn calories. Um, so having to, to do that um, was was pretty amazing. Like I would say, uh, the big rotisserie chickens that you get, I, I would finish two of those a day, um, <laughs> that, that, that much protein. Um, and a lot of it like, you just couldn't consume. You'd be full and just wouldn't, wouldn't want to eat. Um, so you'd try and just drink it down in a... And a protein shake um, because the, the trains were really intense. They were they were they were full on. And your body was always breaking down and uh, trying to keep up with the young guys um, as well. Probably didn't help. Um, so yeah, trying to push your limit and keep keep ahead of them the whole time. Um, so you're pushing even more calories. So I used to come home pretty tired, pretty exhausted from everything, um, especially the last couple of years. Uh, but I knew that nutrition would uh, would help my recovery. So how how often were you eating? Were you eating every couple of hours? Like was that yeah, every you know, couple of hours? Yeah. Yeah, wow. so um, I would have like a, a, a cup and a half of uh, Greek yogurt and um, a big handful of like mixed uh, nuts, like Brazil nuts and cashews um, for dinner, uh, for um, before I went to bed, so it will slowly release. If I didn't have it for a couple of nights, I, I would feel my weight starting to, to drive down a little bit. Um, so that just to help me sustain. So yeah, I was in every uh, two, three maximum hours. Um, and I was hungry uh, most of the time, so it wasn't too bad. And I remember just eating all sorts of food to get calories in. Wow. So once you finished, did uh, did you look at chicken the same way? like, Or have you got like a, a phobia now where you've got to have the skin on to treat yourself? Or like, because you've um, consumed a lot of chicken. Yeah, I, uh, I moved to Hong Kong after I finished playing and um, the, the meat um, size is, is very minimal. Um, so that sort of got me to control the, the, the meat uh, portions of it. Um, and it took me a long time to actually enjoy food, um, if I'm to be honest, because I was there to, there's one goal of mine, and that was to get enough calories, um, that was getting enough uh, nutrients in my body. And I, I didn't really enjoy food. And it took me a long time to, to start enjoying it. Um, and now I've been a vegetarian or pescatarian for uh, nearly two and a half years now. Um, so yeah, I eat a lot of it's just plant-based um, and just resetting my body um, again. And, you know, I'll probably go back to, to meeting maybe in a, in a year or so. Uh, but right now I'm, I'm feeling pretty good just on, um, on what I'm eating and my uh, nutrition at the moment. Wow. That's, it's really incredible because I know there's a lot of, 
you know, you hear people talk about mindfulness and then mindful, mindful eating. You just, yeah, it's, it's a real thing. You have done for like 10, 20 years or whatever, the complete opposite of, of that. And so it's probably, you know, you probably scarred yourself for like from eating. And that's what you're saying. It's really interesting that it's taken you so long to actually enjoy eating because it was essentially your job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just shoveling down calories. Um, I remember one time I, I could just feel my, my body sort of um, just uh, getting reduced the muscles. And I, I just remember for a couple of weeks, I'd eat, be eating bars of chocolate, I'd be eating um, big curries with all the naan bread and everything there, the onion bhajis, um, and just to get calories plus what I was all, all already eating, um, especially with that cold weather over in the UK. Uh, just Your body is constantly burning, um, burning calories. So, yeah, it was a, it was a tough adjustment. Um, in terms of just enjoying food again um, and something, you know, that, uh, you know, I, I sort of missed out. But, you know, when you're, when you're in the, the, the coal phase, when you're um, battling every, every day and want to perform your best, you know, there's those sacrifices that you, you do have to make. Yeah. And, and that's, we've spoken about your career and, and their sacrifices that, you know, you look back on now really fondly. When do you, Take time. Is, is there something you might, you're really proud of? Like, is there? I'm guessing, obviously, captaining you know your country at a World Cup, like that. That's the pinnacle. But is is there anything else that you know you you sit back and just go, that's bloody impressive. Like, I'm really proud of. Um, no, not really. Um, <laughs> I, um, I think my uh, the my upbringing um, with my parents, um, you know, that they, they keep. They kept me pretty grounded as, as a kid um, and also just as an adult. Um, and, you know, as I mentioned, it's, it was a real privilege um, and a real experience to be able to do that. Um, and I feel very fortunate and uh, very blessed to, to be able to do what, what I've done. Um, but in terms of actually acknowledging it, I, I do acknowledge it, but I don't sort of look back and, and think, oh, no, that's, that was amazing or anything like that. I, I just sort of look for those, those next steps. And, you know, at the moment, I'm just looking to use that experience to, to help others um, to sort of impart some of the experiences that I have had. Um, and I sort of use that, um, those experiences uh, more than anything, sort of then reflecting. So if you came to anywhere that I lived, um, came, came to into the front door, you would not know I, I played rugby at all. Um, there's, there's nothing really around there. And it's for me, it was almost um, yeah, sort of left it at the door. Then you came in, and, and it was a, the, an environment where you could just relax and sort of switch off. Um, and maybe you know, in a few more years' time, I, I will have some of the, the jerseys that I um, played against and played with. Um, but at the moment, you know, I'm I'm pretty happy with uh, just sort of progressing those next stages of my life. Yeah, I, I love that. I think that's brilliant. And there's no right or wrong answer there. Everybody's different. Um, and, you know, you don't need to impress. You don't need to show off. If people want to do that, they can be proud of it. Um, I think that's brilliant. So let's talk about, and I know I've spoken to so many athletes on this podcast, Ian, and once they finish their playing career, like, you know, their, their purpose, their drive, it's been taken away. Um, Two-part question. Did, did that happen to you? Because... I see that you started, you know, you went to Hong Kong, you started coaching, but was there a transition period there of struggle of, of tough times or did you know just straight away that nah, I need to get on with, I'm going to be a coach? Yeah, I think uh, anyone would be lying if they didn't struggle straight after that transition of professional sport for such a long time. Um, so many different dynamics. You're in a, a structured environment uh, where you basically got told what you, what to eat, um, how to train, um, someone's barking at you, you know, and everything's pretty much routine. Um, as opposed to going into a job where it's very unstructured, um, you sort of make it up your, your own timetable and sort of 
you're going around with with different um, different ideologies um, and different uh, different cultures. So that was definitely a, definitely a struggle. Um, and but you know the, the learning that you can have in, in those moments um, when you are struggling it was, was amazing. Um, and just with those times, um, I was sort of testing out coaching to see if I was really really going to pursue it. Um, and then I just found that I had a passion for coaching, but yes, um, also education. Um, my mum uh, pretty much um, installed it in me at a very early age um, to, to make sure that I, I studied. Um, so I, from before I started uh, my professional career, I'd, I'd finished my um, degree in postgrad, and then during my um, dig, uh, during my uh, rugby uh, professional uh, professional time, um, I I got another um, degree in postgrad, and then after I, I just keep keep getting it because I, I think learning is such an important part of of me. Um, it's something I've got a real passion for, um, and that sort of ties in with um, uh, education, I guess, and, and coaching. Um, but to go back on your, your question, that you know, it, it definitely was a struggle, um, and it's a struggle for a lot of people. I, I felt I didn't struggle as much as a, a lot of people have, um, a lot of my friends and colleagues over the years. Um, but it's something that, you know, when people start talking about it um, now, you know, it's great because, you know, that we've all got the same sort of um, journey. Um, and to be aware of that um, is great. And there's lots, a lot of people that have come out um, and they've really struggled. Um, but just being out there for, for them uh, was great. And you know, you know, I had a couple of key people um, with me that, you know, were real big supporters. Um, so that was great to, to have that. Yeah, and I think kudos to you because, you know, like a lot of people get caught up in, you know, in the now, in the moment. And at the moment, you're, you're an elite sports person. You, you don't need anything else. Um, do you think, like, I, I think that, but I don't know your story, but having that to come fall back on and, and already done the work and have a passion outside of what you're doing, surely that would have, you know, made that transition probably not as much stress because you knew you had something to fall back on that you loved as well, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, it, it's something I, I did really enjoy. Um, and I remember before the um, Rugby World Cup, right up to the the actual, um, we met as camp, I was still doing all my papers um, for my uh, postgrad um, with uh, with one of the universities in New Zealand. Um, and it, it gave me a bit of an outlet. Um, I still I had that broken arm going into it. Um, so it gave me another point of reference. It gave me another um, group of people that I associated with. And it gave me another learning experience um, that I was able to carry through. And a lot of those um ideas that I had got it was a couple of leadership papers you know I was able to just um use straight away um in a, a real practical sense in the Fiji rugby uh, camp that I was at um so yeah I think it was a huge benefit and I that's one of the things I try and encourage all the players especially the young players to try and get something behind them uh, because rugby um only lasts for a certain amount of time um you know and I, I was very lucky to be such a uh, a long stay in, in the game but you know I've, I've known friends who have been in the game for like two years um, and they've had nothing to fall on so um, making sure you make those wise, wise decisions to invest in your future is important for me. Yeah I think hindsight's a wonderful thing and I'm sure a lot of people look back and and wish that had done something it doesn't matter what career or what profession you're in do you know what I mean like you're like oh I had an opportunity I could have done that um, did you know players that you were playing with and other people like see you know, the work you were putting in and did, did that like inspire them or um, did they just think that's the sort of person you are? That's why you're our leader. Um, yeah. I, I, I used to just, uh, just, just slowly pop off after a while and just, um, just get into the books. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think they just, uh, some, some would question why I'd be doing that. Um, and others, you know, would be um, 
quite quite interested in some of the um, things that I'll be doing. Um, you know, and everyone's different, um, as you mentioned. Other some people aren't aren't geared for um, that area, and they're looking for more of a hands-on role. Um, I had a lot of friends that went into um, uh, a lot of the, the trades. Um, they're doing doing really well for themselves, and just uh, finding a niche that you really like. I, I think that uh, I remember uh, mentioning to um, uh, another friend the other day is that if I didn't uh, get selected for Super Rugby, I would have just kept going down the study route and that's what my goal was um rugby sort of uh, interrupted that um but i'm sort of getting back now after all these years back into that um and sort of working through um some more study that i really wanted to to try and do um all those years ago yeah and i, I love that so now obviously super career and just to read through your highlights and everything before like it is so it's so impressive but uh what you're doing now in singapore um let's talk about that you're obviously you know around you, you know the well-being of players and education and everything like that it is it like a you know it's, it's like a second lease on life because you've had your previous life that you're proud of but now this is something that you you planned and you studied for, for so long and you're finally getting to do it what, what's it like yeah, it's great. Um, you know, it's, you're still always part of a team in the educational side of things, um, especially in an in a international um, schools community. Um, and it's really nice. I've, you know, I met some long life friends um, already um, here um, in Singapore. And I think, you know, the, the great thing about it is, is being able to use all that experience that I've had and that I've gained over the years and, and part of that. Um, we've got a, a number of um, uh, student athlete programs uh, that we've uh, been working on um, and really got that up and running. Um, so it's been really great. Um, and looking at the holistic approach, you know, not just looking at uh, the, the well-being sort of aspect of it, but looking at everything around there, what, what goes into the well-being. Um, and just having meetings um, at the moment um, with um, some of the senior leadership team um, just to get a real good fit to what that looks like. Um, there's been so much going on with the uh, with COVID, um, with with a lack of sport, even um, so, you know, one of those things that is, is such an important part for our for our holistic well-being is, is being active and not being able to do that it has had a big um, influence. And you can see that with um, a lot of the younger um, the younger players, where when they when they win, um, they're not very gracious. Um, they've sort of just think that they've won a World Cup. But when they lose, there's tears and they're blaming each other. Um, so it's those those little moments, those little learning moments that uh, that I love to see because there are some key moments where you can sort of get them around and sort of talk about what the, what they're feeling and sort of the, the solutions for it. Um, and to be able to do that on a on a daily basis, uh, both in an educational side of things and in a rugby side of uh, area as well, is uh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I I just think. Uh... COVID's highlighted a lot of different things, you know, that that social development around winning and losing and being part of a team and being gracious and being resilient in defeat and, you know, the ways to act around people, like it's sort of taken that away. But um, on the other forefront, because of the issues we're now facing with, you know, lack of movement, social isolation, anxiety, all these different things, do you think exactly what you're saying, it's heightened the importance of you know, a really good well-being or wellness program? Yeah, it certainly has. Um, I think that, that that wellness, that well-being program was, was sort of in the background for a lot of yep. um, a lot of uh, workplaces, um, but it has certainly brought it to the forefront, um, especially with uh, the, the last two years, and, and, and rightly so. Um, and that's, you know, it's not uh, just isolated to, to one industry. It's, it's, it's right around. Um, and I think, you know, just seeing someone like uh, New Zealand with the first wellbeing budget, um, just doing things like that. I think there's some real growth in that area. Um, something that I'm 
I'm exploring at the moment um, with my um, with my masters and um, something I think is so important. Um, looking at you know ways that uh, we can improve our, our well-being and uh, our wellness um, because you know end of the day you know we, we talk about health being the being the new wealth um, and it's for me it's always been the been the, the wealth um, so if you don't have that you know you, you, it's, it's it's struggling to to get everything else in life um, in order. Yeah, and, and it's it's so funny you say it like that. And talking through your career, you've you've had different focuses on your health the whole way through, but essentially that's been a number one goal to be in the prime position for whatever you're doing. Um, and I think as you just said, so many people, it doesn't matter what they're doing in the world at the moment, they are starting to realize that that life isn't about what you own, what you consume, um, you know, how much money you've got in the bank. It's how you can live life. Um, and if you're not in the best physical position to do that, then obviously you're going to miss out. So uh, Nick, what's, what's in the future for you, mate? What, what, what do you hope to achieve? Masters? Um, what, what's the, the end goal? What's the, the big goal that you have in life? Um, yeah, I'd love to just work work through, um, do my PhD if, if, uh, if time uh, permits, um, and that I, I think you know to be able to, to do that is has always been a goal from when I first had my first at university um, to to be able to do that. But while I'm doing that, it's just helping as many people as I can. Keep sharing the stories, keep um, sharing the successes and the failures. You know, when you um, mentioned all those, I guess the successes that you mentioned at the beginning, you, you didn't mention all the failures that I had, and I had many <laughs> along the way, and I, I still do to this day. Um, but you know, they're real, um, real growth growth uh, times for me. Um, I always look at a problem now um, as a puzzle and just trying to solve each each puzzle um, when I see it. And I think for me, that's that's been a real mind shift change. Um, to, to try and figure it out. Um, some some I, I still was trying to figure out. Um, but, you know, I think to just be have that different mindset, um, I think is, uh, is really important um, to for when I, um, the next sort of steps in, uh, in my career uh, and my journey. Yeah, I, I love that. The puzzles are a really good analogy because, you know, we're always trying to figure new things out. And if you if you leave a puzzle unsolved, it's really that's that's the worst thing you can do whereas if you can try the puzzle and it doesn't work out you actually feel better about yourself even though you haven't achieved it you keep going um i love that analogy i might uh, borrow that one off you mate but uh <laughs> um i really appreciate not only you presenting a wonderful session you know a couple of months ago but uh you know sharing everything you're doing your passion um the hard work and dedication you put into your career um and now obviously the vision going forward i think it's it's such a great role model to, you know, future athletes out there, but also anybody out there that maybe has a career now that they may not love as much, you know, you can change, you can move on. And, and that's, it's, it's a normal way of doing it, but at the end of the day, you've got to put the work in to get there. So uh, thanks so much, mate, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, no, you're, you're more than welcome. I really enjoy it. Um, just even just uh, processing some of the things that, uh, that have happened, some of the things that I've, that I've experienced. I'm sort of learning from, I guess, from the, the whole experience as well. So thank you.